0: Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there. Steve. Hello. And today is the fifth and final part of Sycorax's Daughters. You made it. You say it as though it were some type of like harrowing
1: journey. Well, in a way it was. I mean, there are some like deep stories in there. Mm. It is a marathon of a read though. I mean, just it's it's a lot of book. It is. <laughs> it's a lot of book. It is. I mean, it, I can't remember how much it was. It costs online, mm-hmm. uh, but it, I mean, if you would just want to go for value, economic value, you can't yeah, get a better true. deal than this.
0: That's true. <laughs> this book is well worth the money you pay for
1: it. I mean, it's priced like a, a normal, you know, like a normal ebook. Yeah. And uh, it's like three times as long.
0: We are in the last five stories of the collection. Once again. Yes. No slight to the poets, but we skipped over the poetry because yeah. once,
1: once again I'll I'll take the hit. The Armoire by Patricia E. Canterbury. This is the one I was referring to last week when I said that it reminded me a lot of, of um Japanese ghost stories. Mm-hmm. This is the one that I was talking about. Nah, I can see why you would think so.
0: We have a young lady who is a reporter for like a small town newspaper type of thing. And one of the things she regularly reports on is, what is it, monthly? Like, yeah. Like craft market type of thing under
1: the old overpass. Yeah, so it's like a, like a I guess, flea market kind of situation, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of more more like
0: arts and crafts or swap meet or something like that. Kind of like the the thing they do in Catonsville where they just close down Frederick Road. Right.
1: Like a community market.
0: Yeah. She goes to cover it and she's looking around at all the various things and she meets a strange old woman who sells potions and charms. But she's like, oh, sorry, I'm not in the market for any potions and charms. So we, we got like a bait and switch right there.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> she shows, shows the, the our reporter, our intrepid journalist, uh, some old pictures. She notices a man standing off up to the side of one group of people in one of the old photos who's a very striking and... Handsome sort of man. Yeah, it's like a debonair kind of. Uh, yeah, real suave. A like, a, like a like a Billy D. Williams.
1: Yeah, everything West tries to be mm. never mm. quite achieved. There you go. Five episodes, one Wesley reference. Had to, I had to get it in. No, to... no, 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 I mentioned Wesley in the second week. Okay, because there was a story I recommended for it. Mm.
0: As I'll continue. As our as our hero turns to go, she notices this armoire uh, in a collection. You know, a guy, I guess, comes by and has furniture to sell at these, the swap meet type of thing. Right. And it's very nice armoire. She's like, you know what?
1: That'd look great with my TV in it. It's like a part of an estate sale kind of thing, right? Yeah, they
0: got it from an estate sale, and they're just selling it here at the, like, swap meet type of thing just to... uh See if anybody's interested.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, it, it sounds like it's like a really nice armoire. It catches her eye, and mm. she's not quite sure if it's going to go with her current decor. So she wants to sit on it, and it's all, all good. Yeah, sure. Take your and, time.
0: And, of course, you know, it's one of those those strange magical artifact type of things that you get to your car, and you're like, you know what? No, I'm I need that.
1: Uh, oh, trust me. You don't have to have a be a strange magical artifact for that to affect you. <laughs> <laughs> Half the shit I own <laughs> is strange magical artifacts then.
0: Uh you know, maybe they are. Yes. Maybe you're living Friday the thirteenth of the series. That's
1: right. My Tales from the Yawning Portal is a uh, strange magical artifact.
0: hmm There it is. She gets it home. Sets it up and everything, and uh when she buys it the the guy that tells her is like, Hey, you know, they're telling me you know we bought it off of this lady, Ooh. she tells us it's haunted,
1: Ooh. and people just keep coming out of it, yeah, so she buys a haunted armor, right, but being a modern gal, she doesn't believe in that shit, right,
0: exactly, I mean, haunted armor, what could possibly go wrong, right? And she gets it home. She gets set up, everything, and suddenly there's a man
1: in her house. Yeah, so, the greatest thing is like uh, she's she has her you know she's using it as an entertainment center. So she has her TV mm-hmm. mounted on it or you know sitting on it, and uh, she's trying to watch TV and she can't get any of the channels she pays for. Her. Right, <laughs> she gets like these old old timey black and white shows. Right old time, you know, these old black and white movies. And she's like, where's the TV guide? <laughs> and, <laughs> but, but in, what's in, a like, TV guide? Well, in the text, there's like a registered symbol next to TV guide. It's great. Mm-hmm. TV guides are <laughs> right. What is
0: a TV guide? Do we even have, is TV guide even published anymore?
1: I think TV guide is published, um, but it's like a magazine now. I think it's, I haven't looked at one because, you know, it's, it's original function is, is useless now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they do like, you know, people type articles on celebrities and shows. Right.
0: Well, you know, the good thing about TV Guide was it, it always, it had that section in the back that all the movies that were coming on those channels that week were listed and it had a little synopsis of each movie. Right. And you could read the synopsis
1: and go, hey, you know, that might be an interesting movie. I might want to see that. Yes. But for now, uh, well, obviously this woman uh, still gets the TV guide. Right. But but literally she asks herself where the TV guide is and she hears a male voice say, what's the TV guide? Right. Which is weird because that can go either way. Right. It could that be it could be, be somebody,
0: from, somebody from, the from the past or somebody from
1: the future. Or somebody from the present. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck's a TV guy? Could Our present anyway. It could be like my son going huh? Huh? Because my son doesn't know what a TV guy is. He's 12. He doesn't right. know what a TV guy Who's Atari? <laughs> oh. My kids know what the fuck a t- Atari is. That's for sure. Mm. So yeah, so
0: <laughs> he comes out he comes out of the armoire, he has an offer that she can't refuse and it's just it's really she handles it really it's really blunt, and very matter of fact as you said.
1: So yeah, so this is where like to me it reminds me a lot <clears throat> of a Japanese um ghost story like from apparitions or something because mm-hmm. it's she's not freaked out. She doesn't panic. She doesn't, like, go, g- g- ghost, and and beat it out of the house. She basically um, starts arguing with this ghost.
0: Mm-hmm. He's like, stick with me, and you'll live forever. She's like, well, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, anything, really anything beyond this point gives away the end of the story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like a back and forth conversation with the ghost. Yeah, and she half doesn't really believe it's a ghost. She thinks it's it's a little, um, you know, she's, she's lucid dreaming or something. Yeah, she's got like that. It's more gravy than the grave attitude, right? And and she's just playing along with it. And then we
0: get this like, she, there's this, like twist at the end.
1: But that now the guy. Who comes out of the armoire mm-hmm. is her, like, ideal man. Um, Just so happens to be. Yeah. But, I mean, she goes, I've always been a sucker for men with Sam Elliott mustaches. <laughs> it's a very clever story.
0: Oh, absolutely. A very clever story. And, and, and really a lot of fun. Just, the, just the fact that, you know, the, the temptation is made and she's like, yeah, I don't want to do
1: that. Yeah. It's, it's really like a story like this is really up my, my alley these mm-hmm. days. This is like the kind of thing I enjoy. I really enjoyed apparitions. I really enjoyed that story a lot just because it, it was um not that if I ever saw a ghost, I would be as cool, calm and collected as that. Right. But I like to see, I like the, that that possibility exists where the supernatural <clears throat> is just like something that happens.
0: Right. Right. And it's, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. I would, everybody should be as calm and collected around a spiritual entity as this lady was. And it did kind of, it kind of added a little air of humor yeah to to the to the book that uh a lot of a lot of these types of dark fiction and horror anthologies you know kind of shy away from everything's got to be you know on point intense but you know occasionally you just got to place your tongue firmly in your cheek and and you know give us a reaction that is not typical
1: yeah and but i don't think it was goofy or you know funny beyond being
0: um, no um, no Though overall the piece itself wasn't really all that funny because it wasn't it wasn't meant to be comedy but it still
1: it it had like just like a funny moment
0: right a funny moment but the, i think the whole story kind of hinged a little bit on that that one moment right that was laugh out loud kind of funny
1: quirky and, i guess quirky is a really good Way to describe that moment, maybe,
0: maybe, maybe, from you, but really, I, I, I laughed. It takes
1: a lot to make me laugh. Yeah, very well, on a side.
0: But, Doctor, I am paleo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, very, very matter of fact story. Very well done. Uh, it has one of those kind of non-ending endings where it's definitely ended, but you learn nothing. Right. And it just kind of leaves you scratching your head. And that's that's also pleasant as well. Right.
1: When it's done well, when something like that's done well, sometimes yeah. those non-ending endings are just kind of like, yeah. Yeah,
0: they're, they're just kind of the window, the window. Yeah,
1: whatever. Right.
0: <laughs> but But this one was done, it was done in a satisfying way, and you were left scratching your head going, And yeah, that's, that's what I liked about it is like, yep, there's uh yeah, That'll do it.
1: <laughs> the lesson is never look at old photographs at a swap meet.
0: Mm-hmm. Or never, never make deals
1: with shit that comes out of your armor. And, and honestly, like we glossed over this, but this is a swap meet where people are selling stuff mm-hmm. they have, like furniture, art, who buys old photo albums and that other question was memories?
0: actually asked
1: it was who i mean those that's other people's memories and uh, you can go to Wal- walgreens and get a fucking photo album
0: right well
1: it's, it's like, like uh, a thing that you must have from the swap meet
0: well the lady the lady that was she i don't think she was actually selling the photographs i think she was she was the strange almost kind of the red herring of the story but she wasn't
1: a red herring right just got to read that story man yeah
0: you gotta you gotta read it can't give it away because it is an interesting little twist but at first yeah she's she's definitely a a, like a a Chekhov's gun of sorts you know she's just kind of there and doesn't really make much narrative sense until later in the story until the the end, and then you're like, "Oh, I see," and that that's what makes it interesting as well. Next up on the list is a little not music by L. H. Moore. Moore wastes no time in this yeah, story. She,
1: she sets she sets the scene up real quick. You're in D.C., um, the late '30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, two students. Um, are going to work. One of them, yep. one of them is a waitress. And the there's a dancer. Our protagonist is a dancer. And they also live together in a roomy house, mm. um, with, uh, with their landlady. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, uh, dreams, um, in the witch house situation. Right. Uh, our protagonist gets home and,
0: she hears some strange music she's like oh well you know maybe it's maybe it's uh, b across the hall but no it's too late for that and it sounds like it's in the house but she thinks she sees something outside and then she starts hearing a mysterious voice calls itself the mentor yeah and and shit just progressively gets stranger and stranger and and more terrifying, really, as, as time goes on. Uh, she starts having difficulties concentrating when she's dancing because this mentor figure is appearing to her while she's at work. It's uh, appearing to her while she's trying to sleep. Uh, right. Pushes at- the landlady down the stairs.
1: Yeah. And, and the three, you, you get the feeling in the beginning of the story that the three people living in the house are relatively close obviously the two girls are friends and they're really close but they're not they hang out with the landlady you know they right together they're not it, it's not like i go to my room um and that's it but towards like the end of the story that's the situation you end up getting is um you have three strangers living in the under the same roof mm-hmm. um all do the machinations of the mentor. Right,
0: yeah, and then we just things and it turns out the mentor is also talking to her friend, and it's you you really can't spoil it because the 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 climax of the story is is rather horrifying in itself, it is, and then you get the big twist reveal, which is just absolutely classic, right, um almost at once again, a a tales from the crypt type of thing or EC comics or something like that. Yeah. And, and you have that, that kind of twist and yeah, it just, whoa, you know, it's kind of at the
1: end. Yeah. In a way, I mean, it's like, um, these, these women are being gaslit by this mentor. Mm. -hmm. Um, you know he's constantly doing little things like pay attention and right. uh play, playing music and like you said appearing um at odd times and they they you know progressively start to detach themselves from their lives and from each other
0: right as but, as this mentor is forcing himself more and more into their center of awareness right and yeah, and yeah, I love the way that Moore structures this in in this progressive, more
1: and more strange type of situation. Right. But, you know, like, it, it, it really reminded me a lot of the effects of um, like, uh, well, you know, mental illness, like addiction or depression and mm-hmm. how it eats at you and how you end up isolating yourself from your life like that and, uh, snapping at the people you care about. And, uh, basically, you know, not only screwing up your own existence, but the existence of those around you who, who, you know, you care about and who care about you. Yeah. yeah. And just how really like fragile our, our, uh, just reality is. And just like, a little, cause there's no physical contact. It's not like um, she's beaten, beaten or, or, you know, held against her will or anything like that. It's just like little shifts mm-hmm. uh, in in attitude and perspective that can just like send you down that spiral and, and, you know, isolate you. And you can like like in the in the book, you can live in the same house with people and and be completely isolated.
0: Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. And yeah, it's like anything that breaks the routine, you get you, you get yourself into this pattern. And, you know, this is my life. I do A, B, C, D. And then something comes along and just pushes something just out of line. And it's, it's not even a, a huge push. And, and the, the mentors activities are not really this huge push. Push,
1: but it just starts snowballing. Right. Except for the huge push of, of the landlady down the stairs. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, um, but yeah, you're right. It's like little things. It's like the music being played, you know, that not is, being uh, able to sleep. Right. And just like little things that add up and, and just isolate you mm-hmm. and cause, cause you and the people around you to like misery. Yeah. It's, yep. um, Very, very clever. You know, it's like rare that a story, um, makes you like go that deep and thinking usually, you know, read it and, Oh, this was clever. That was, that was good. Blah, blah, blah. But I mean, sometimes, you know, they they strike home like that Mm -hmm. and get to get to have a nice little bit of
0: introspection. Absolutely. A little bit of introspection. And also there's that the parallel because one of the things that the mentor is doing is making them not sleep, yeah. and when you don't sleep, your your brain just goes into overdrive. And you know, people, I've known people who have have had chronic insomnia and things like this. And so many days, yeah, you think, you start getting a little delirious. You know, a couple of days you're a little loopy, kind of silly. You know, but three, four, five days, something like that. You know, was, mm, I want to sleep and get downright irritable, right? Downright irritable. Um, and and I believe I forget what the timetable is on it, but there's yeah. at some point you start hallucinating.
1: Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the story because in the story, in the story well, yeah, the, not that long of a timetable for what
0: Right. Happening. Yeah, not not too long, you know there wasn't a whole lot of time passed in the story, but yeah, that just, just insomnia. The, the fact that the mentor is not letting, <laughs> letting our characters sleep. Right. Is screwing up with their, their, their rhythms and their cycles and, and their routines. Yeah. And it just all beautifully culminates into uh, a really interesting dream sequence. Mm mm-hmm. Um, and then, that punchline there at the end.
1: Yeah.
0: And and there's no better, there's no other way to describe it other than a
1: punchline
0: because it does. It just comes out and just smacks you right across the face. It's like...
1: Yeah, but it's not like a funny ha-ha. No, it's not like a funny ha punchline. It's more like a, a jab to the, to the throat.
0: Well, I remember, it's like we, when we were talking about Clark Ashton Smith and I had mentioned that the, the the def the line between horror and comedy is very thin. And when I was reading this, I was reading this and seeing you know the the comedic storytelling being used to give us a horror story. Mm-hmm. Because our expectation ended up being subverted a little bit. Right. And the same thing with uh with the armoire is that our expectations were subverted a little bit. Yeah. So, so you have that, that technique being used in horror rather than in a, to elicit a kind of a, rather than a haha.
1: Right. I know that was
0: <laughs> ha <Ha-ha>. ha.
1: <laughs> it, it is almost like the, the last thing is it's almost like a really, really bad Dad joke mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> or 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 just like a really sick and twisted kind of joke,
1: yeah, it's like that, it,
0: that it, I'm sure the mentor was laughing
1: all the way yeah i I could picture that that meme that you were talking about last night mm-hmm. with uh with the walking dead mm-hmm. <laughs> hey coral, <laughs> hey coral, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah.
0: That sort of thing, but yeah that's that's what makes this what makes literature such a great art form uh, third on the list is the Makana Keel by L. Penelope. yes now this is a odd and creepy little story.
1: yeah, this is uh, it's so you have like this this girl who was born to a old, I I guess older parents who I think I get kind of get the feeling that like they realized they had a kid and then kind of thought better of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Or, or they had a child because that was what they were expected to do. And okay. The child is now old enough to somewhat fend for itself. And we're going to continue our, individual existences.
1: Yeah. So this is like, so basically this, this child, um, Akasha, she is abandoned by her family while still living with them.
0: hmm And talk about being isolated.
1: Yeah. With, with and, and at a, at a really young age so that it affects her to the point where she is like just a super introvert. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes to school and she blends in. No one talks to her. No one even, basically no one acknowledges her existence. Right. Um, she, it, it's mentioned that, uh, she, she's black and, and her parents live in a very white uh, neighborhood. And the only other, uh, person of color at their school is a Chinese boy who's mm. also, um, ignored pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think to the same, I don't think it's part of his like being, I don't get that feeling Mm -hmm. like with her, her isolation and her like just being a wallflower is just part of her identity. Right. She's essentially invisible. Yes. I mean, she lives in a, in a old house with no neighbors um, yeah, I mean, there's. It says here there were no neighbors, no playmates. The house's solitary beauty was rivaled only by its remoteness. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she's definitely alone. Yeah, and even
0: at school, she's alone. She's alone in a crowd of people. Right. And one night, she is
1: visited by a creature. Yeah, like some entity which is the Mankana Keel. Mm -hmm.
0: Which is kind of like a shadow person of
1: sorts. Yeah, it's like, it's hard to really define what it is, but it comes to her at night. Um, It it wants to make her its apprentice. Mm -hmm. Teach her the ways of the Mankana Keel.
0: Right. Which is a singular being that refers to itself in
1: plural. Yes. And, um, this thing, its purpose is to create nightmares so we can eat them. Mm-hmm. So it, it, basically goes around scaring kids and then, uh, feeding on the, the, the results. Right. Right. <clears throat> um,
0: and just to the point, just to the point where the, the nightmare is effective. Right. And then it eats the nightmare and they have no memory. Right. Which um, is, and, which, is yeah. inter- which is an interesting take on the type of boogeyman kind of
1: monster. Right. And it, it makes the nightmares out of shadows. Mm hmm. It makes so them out of shadows. So it, it, basically, it eats shadows, but it has to flavor the shadows with your fear first. Mm hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not a very pleasant creature.
0: And the Monkana Keel has taught Akasha how to capture shadows and weave them into these nightmares right
1: because of course she says yes because like she has no friends right and hey this is kind of cool right mm-hmm. now um her not well I was gonna say her buddy but uh, the other loner in the school Norman Chang is also approached uh, by this being mm-hmm. and offered the same deal but uh I guess he's just too smart for that shit because he just said no, Mm -hmm. which is why I want to say that his isolation is is like different from hers, right? Or he he doesn't mind it.
0: He doesn't mind it, or or there's something something in his disposition.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't want to become its apprentice,
0: right? But Akasha is like enthralled with the idea of what she's learned to do. Right, and she creates from shadows something that's not supposed to be a nightmare.
1: Right, she she wanted to branch out mm-hmm. and and do test the limits it. of her new yeah. ability. Do good with it. Maybe mm-hmm. she wanted to make an imaginary friend or whatever.
0: Right, and so she creates a doppelganger of herself completely by accident.
1: Right, and and it's kind of like a. At this point, you get into like a, a weird cross between, uh, the sorcerer's apprentice, mm-hmm. where, you know, you, you, fuck with magic that you don't know enough about. So it like explodes on you. Right. And, um, like the old changeling stories, mm-hmm. um, where people are replaced by fairies. Oh, yeah. Because this doppelganger that she creates um, takes over her life. Oh yeah, and it
0: it, it has it does definitely have that kind of fairy story kind of feel to it. And yeah, the doppelganger essentially is is Akasha as maybe she idealizes
1: herself to be, it's or, an, or it's an Akasha that is uh, accomplishes all the things that maybe she didn't know she wanted she runs track um mm-hmm. she is you know in the popular club um she she gets good grades and is called on in class and you know she and gets, noticed her parents notice her yeah and and it, you get the feeling that the doppelganger is living her life better than she ever could right it's uh <laughs> Which akasha is- 2.0 it's got to suck oh okay. yeah because because
0: she's right there beside it the whole time and nobody even sees her
1: yeah and well no one ever had but now they 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 can't
0: right because she's like kind of obscured by this
1: this doppelganger yeah i mean it's like such a great concept that mm-hmm. you create your own replacement Right, and and are forced to watch in horror as it as it le- leads a better life than you ever will.
0: Mm-hmm. But in 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 kind of subverting the the usual trope, the Akasha two is not malicious about it.
1: No, no, like, no, no,
0: no. I'm here to replace you. No, she just kind of she just kind of does it. Yeah, and and the the really interesting thing is is that this doppelganger cannot speak. And yet, it can ace an oral French examination mm-hmm. without saying a word. Yeah, so... It's like, it's, it's like Akasha has created the most
1: interesting girl in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's the premise. If you go beyond that, it's another one of those we will... We're going to spoil the story. Mm-hmm. Um. Unfortunately. Right, As an, it
0: does have a little interesting uh, twist at the end, and you know, we'll, we'll say that yeah, she Akasha two point is living Akasha's life better than she could, and she's like, I hate this, I want to get rid of it, and it's like, well, sorry, kid, it's not scary.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, no, the, <laughs> the boogeyman thing. Yeah, uh, that's great. Help her out. And it's not because um, it, it, yeah, it's not out of spite because she went off on her own. I don't think it really cares, right? Um, it's because it doesn't taste good. It's not a nightmare,
0: right? It's not a nightmare. I, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. It's,
1: it's, it's poor. It's not kosher, right? It's not kosher. And but you've created Trafe, kid. Don't eat Trafe, right?
0: And really the the thing about the mankana keel as a creature is that you really do have you know this this sort of creature that is ambivalent toward humans yeah you know, we we talk about that a lot and we we poke fun of it a lot when we're talking about like lovecraftian stuff
1: well because you know
0: because the ambivalent gods don't really seem all that ambivalent yeah you know, they're evil fucks the mankana keel is truly ambivalent it's right.
1: Love you know, it only
0: was there to eat. Yeah. And just, sorry, kid. You know there was no malice or anything to it. It's just like that's how the ball bounces. Yeah. Which and, is, how, and you get a
1: little bit of a surprise at the end, which is really nice. Yeah. I mean, it's got a nice, cool twist ending. Mm-hmm. Um. But how does? a cosmic being that wants to enslave uh, the human race. How is that ambivalent at all? It's, it's not, (laughs) it's not. Oh, there you go.
0: Right. You know, it's an ambivalent being does not get pissed off when you walk into its house. Right. You know, and, and ambivalent beings definitely do not try to conquer the world. Right. The Moncone Keel on the other hand is truly ambivalent. It just kind of exists. It's like you get it's grub. Hey, you're kinda of cool. You want to learn how to uh, make my food for me? Right. <laughs> because well, there's I, really I mean, the you know, we one. have we have um parts of the story where the Moncone Keel is perfectly capable of creating the nightmares itself
1: and then eating them. Yeah, so I'm wondering if um it, it's looking to maybe create another one. So maybe the Montana kills lonely or, and, and wants companionship. Maybe it's getting ready to move on and needs another entity to take its place. And you just, you don't know, you don't know. It's it's not relevant to the story. So, right.
0: But, you know, it kind of makes you kind of makes makes you wonder, which is, which is the definition of a good supernatural entity is one that just really kind of makes you wonder what it's all about. But you have no there's no way of understanding what this character's motivation is.
1: Right. But you you get definitely get the feeling that its intention whatever it is with Akasha isn't isn't something uh made out of malice. No. It's it's not trying to trick her into becoming evil or Something like that. It's just, you know, whatever its motivation is, it's a neutral motivation. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, even when it first appears, it's like, look, I know I look scary, but you know, just chill. Yeah, I I have a proposition for you.
1: (laughs) I have a business
0: opportunity. It's
1: it's not like Palpatine trying to seduce um, Anakin Skywalker to becoming his apprentice right and it's not you are now
0: mine you know or anything like that it's like uh <laughs> it's hi. more like
1: you want to learn how to play the flute okay all right sit down here's how you play the flute
0: here's how you play the flute kid maybe it's just kind of drawn to that sort of
1: isolation yeah it, I, i'm I kind of get the feeling that that's what it is uh be, just because the other kid was was up, made the same offer mm-hmm
0: well, we also find out that, um, what was the little boy's name? Uh, Chang. Chang?
1: Yeah, it was like, um, Michael Chang or.
0: Young, young Mr. Chang, um, actually is a Norman. 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 Norman Chang is a, he's a dreamer. He's got, uh, psychic powers. Slightly psychic powers. Yes. So that could be what really, maybe it's the psychic powers is what is, keeps him isolated
1: yeah could be but there's no indication that she had any psychic
0: powers right so maybe it's her just you know her isolation her invisibility that draw drew the Moncana kind of keel forth and for norman it was his you know, psychic ability
1: true <laughs> or you know it could be like like uh just no matter how you get to that that stage of loner um, mm-hmm. Whatever gets you their psychic ability or just upbringing. Or it doesn't really matter to the. To
0: or the, maybe the Monkana Keel is like Zordon. Bring me isolated teenagers. Yeah, pretending to be like overfed. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So, yeah, that was a you know, just a really great, strange, almost kind of fairy tale kind of story. Yeah, next we have Mama, Mama by A.D. Caboa Wow, yeah, that one—that story, that story's a bit of a gut punch.
1: Yeah, this is um, not a huge amount of of a supernatural element in the story. You get a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but really, the story is just the the story of a woman who's abducted from Africa and and sold into slavery Mm -hmm. and just her journey and and her journey and the things that happened to her and and it totally sucks
0: yeah and not the story, the story's a good story yeah, it's well written it's uh, well paced very very uh, atmospheric yeah as we get this this woman's perspectives over the years this this story, for as short as it is literally spans decades of the character's life yeah, and you know we hear about her treatment on the ship Ugh. and her treatment at the f- first plantation and how how it's like she meets uh Spirit entity that says, "You know, hey, do what you know. Talk to this woman, and you'll be okay."
1: Right, and really, that's like the only bit of uh, supernatural is that mm-hmm. she, she has this connection to the spirits, mm-hmm. and uh, and has been has her her connection has given her guidance and the ability for her to be singled out um, to, to be kind of um, a, a wise woman or, you know, a, a voodoo woman amongst, mm-hmm. amongst the, not only amongst the, her fellow slaves, but also with um, the the plantation owners as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it saves her a little bit of grief, not a lot. Um, but
0: yeah, it, right. It, her it, path, her path is it, is it. one definitely one of tragedy, and yeah, the real world horror really overshadows the uh, the supernatural elements going on in this story. Yeah, I mean, just like
1: impossible choices she's forced to make. Really, don't want to get into the details of it. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, every e- around every bend, there's like something fresh that's ready to like. Just slap you in the face, rip your guts out.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, and it's,
1: it's
0: really well done. Very poignant kind of story. It uh,
1: I was a little misty. Yeah, it, it was a. When it was over, it was definitely a. I won't say a hard one to read, but it was definitely a a one that gets, makes you a little verklempt. Mm-hmm. And. <clears throat> So you're doing yeah. it right now.
0: Yeah, right. a little bit. I'm okay. I'm I'm a little bit <laughs> caught up, in a little something in my throat. <laughs> it's uh
1: podcast dust. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I got a microphone in my throat. Um But yeah, it's just really interesting and, and the characters, you know, they're they're the evil characters, and the evil characters are just they're such scum.
1: Yeah, but even like even like the narrator is forced at 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 least one point to make a shitty decision, mm-hmm. um, and and just because of the circumstances that you know the card she's dealt, she she could she makes a, just a, a real shitty decision. It's got to be like an agony to have made that decision, mm-hmm. and um, you know she had. There's no winning situation. I mean, right. like everything you do is going to result in tragedy,
0: right, and pain
1: in and other.
0: But if you want to survive, this is what you have to do.
1: Yeah, and and honestly, I think you know we need more narratives like this that that explore you know that era of American history of, of you know slavery just and show it raw like this Mm -hmm. and not pull punches. Um and not you know not not have that image, that you know, that Disney fied image of what, you know, the South was like during um, that period. During that period, yeah, exactly. You know, like people singing songs in the fields and shit. Whereas, you know, there's whippings and hangings and and you know just wanton cruelty and and rape and just all sorts of horrible horrible things, mm-hmm. and and just to have like some asshole senator come out and say, oh you know we, we, black people were better off, just just the danger of people believing that mm-hmm. means that we need people to write more stories like this just and have people read them and have mm-hmm. people have access to them so that we don't get complacent and we don't think that oh maybe it wasn't so bad because it was right. bad it was bad yes I
0: agree I agree uh, on all points there Steve and sorry. no no I get up on your soapbox man that's, that's what this show is for that's right and and you're right and and it's it's books like this that that afford those kind of narratives because you know while the the story itself is harsh and it's it's very on point with with the the horrors of slavery adding those little supernatural elements you know it kind of dupes people in a good way because oh yeah, I'm gonna read this like uh, story about this this lady who sees spirits and okay, sure, here you go. I got it one right for you
1: yeah.
0: and, <laughs> and you read it and you get that perspective and then you can you, you put that internalize that in your head and you know the repercussions of this, the if slavery imagined as a stone thrown in the water. You know the ripples are still being felt.
1: yeah, of course they are but one of the one of the things that intellectuals um talk about when they talk about the value of horror mm-hmm. is that it allows you to take uh something from the real world mm-hmm. and make it palatable and manageable by using metaphor or hyperbole, and, and translating it into, you know, a horror story. Right. Um, you know, the classic is the fear of communism and, like, the, the 50s, you know, giant monster movies and shit like that. Right. Alien invasion movies. And, uh, well, that's kind of trite, that example. But I do agree that a good horror story um, can um ch- Allow you to cope better with real world issues. Get out, or or, or at least, yeah, yeah, or, or at least uh, help you wrap your head around them and mm-hmm. understand them. Maybe not in a um, in an intellectual and uh, or a physical way, but at least to 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 get you thinking about it, and and you know to to just get information out there processing
0: yeah. on a visceral and instinctual an emotional level rather than the detachment of intellect right you know there's only so many slate articles you can read that say slavery was bad right you know but when you have a story like mama where everything is described in such atmospheric and and, and vivid detail
1: right and and, and even though awful.
0: even though a lot of the hor- more horrible stuff occurs off camera and is only referenced in a in a
1: vague sort of way. You still know what's going on, right? There's actually been several um, stories in this collection that have done this. Mm-hmm. Um, Letty, right? Yes. Uh, was it thirsty? No, it was born again or thirsty for love? It was oh. the vampire one. I think it was born again. Okay. Yeah, it was born again. But, but there were I, 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 we had several.
0: We 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 had a similar discussion in uh, the very first episode.
1: Yeah, where. I think that was from Letty. But yeah, there's that have used um, the excuse of a horror story to actually tell a story about the horrors of slavery, like Mm -hmm. real world horrors, not like ghosts and goblins. Of course, Billy B. Williams. Ghosts and goblins. (laughs) So yeah, so fantastic. And uh, like I, you know, I can't recommend to read this book enough, especially oh, yeah. when you get gems like this in there.
0: Mm-hmm. And and speaking of gems, we're at the, the final story. Uh, to Give Her Whatsoever She Would Ask by R.J. Joseph. This is definitely a dark fairy tale. Yeah. Um, you know, with that, be careful what you wish for. This was the perfect story to close this book. Right, And I'm going to slightly spoil the end just for the, the discussion of the, the, in, the end posts of the book. Um, we had the first story where we were taken into the woods and, and we actually, you know, the physical movement into the woods to meet the, the creature that lived there. Right. And at the end of this story, we're pulled out away from this world.
1: Oh, very clever.
0: Yes. And I, you know, I just really liked that. I caught that right at the end and I was like, wow, that's really great. We were pulled into it at the beginning of the book. And now we're at the end of the book and we're being, we're, we're being not pulled out, but just kind of allowed to drift out. Now, Go ahead and uh, give us a synopsis of the story, Steve. Uh,
1: so you have a woman whose marriage—she lives on the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say Trinidad, but I might be wrong. Anyway, she she uh her marriage fails. Um, and she becomes very disillusioned. Uh, so she starts working for a gentleman, just being his caretaker, an older man. Mm-hmm. And one night she's going to work, and she is. I guess accosted by a, a ball lightning. And, uh, when she gets to her job, it doesn't harm her or anything, but when she gets to her job, um, she's informed that she, that, no, oh, they hear a baby crying outside. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's informed not to, not to let, not to go to the door because it is a sucroyant, mm-hmm. which is, I looked it up which is a blood-sucking hag from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, Just trying to lure you outside, it'll drain you dry. Right.
1: But she also finds out that you can uh, trick the hag into mm-hmm. granting wishes for you if you steal its skin. Which are usually kept down by the river. Right. So... Um, instead of heeding the warning of her employer, like she, you do, she decides, Well, it wouldn't be a story if she didn't decide to go and get right. that skin. So, that's right. Our the character from the armor would have been like, Okay, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll see, see you tomorrow. tomorrow. I'll live forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she goes to steal the skin, it's, it's successful, mm-hmm. and uh. Um, hilarity ensues when they had returns um, and is unable to get her skin so they cut a deal and what she wants is a baby mm-hmm. uh, because that's the one thing she was never able to get and her husband her ex-husband visits her that night and they conceive a baby mm-hmm. only to find out later that her uh, husband who was missing was actually his corpse was found like two weeks ago, right? So, he he went missing like a year ago. Yeah, so he's been dead for a while,
0: right? He was like a sailor, worked worked offshore in some capacity, and he went missing. So but she apparently did not know this.
1: She didn't know this, and uh, she isn't really she doesn't really care mm-hmm. um, that she <laughs> slept with her. Animated corpse of her husband, because mm-hmm. uh, all she cares about is she, now she has she's going to have
0: a baby, right? One of the interesting things about this story is how, in the beginning, she talks about her her faith, and you know, I did everything I you know, and it's a it's a common theme that runs through people who fall out of faith is you know I did everything I was supposed to do, you know, but I keep you know, getting all this shitty stuff keeps happening to me. And so she slowly falls out of faith because no matter what happens, you know, her prayers are never
1: answered. Right. And well, and, and it's not like she's living a bad life either. Right. Which is, um, key. She goes to church. You know, she, she does what she's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And she still gets shit on. Right,
0: because life that's... life just hands her hands her you know a bad hand. Right, well and that, it's that, that's that classic. You know why do bad things happen to good people? Right,
1: shit just happens. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now I, I, you know, I could see her point of view. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's it's one of, it's also one of those things. She she goes after the the hag's skin. Because, well, you know, I've tried this, you know, tried to speak to, to God who is distant, but I can make a wish. And, and from creature right here that she's between her and her employer have pretty much confirmed is, is real is a real tangible entity. Right. And so she decides, well, you know, I can't get it this way. Let's. Let's try this. What's the worst that could happen? It's pretty
1: bad, actually.
0: And and it is pretty bad. And 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 the real the real horror of this story comes in the realization of the price to be paid for, for what you wish for. Right. And it is a price that uh her employer warns her about.
1: Right.
0: You know, it's like it's just like Every D and D player knows that, uh, yeah, don't,
1: uh, don't ever use the wish spell. Yeah. Because you're, it's, uh, it's best put. I don't know if you watch Adventure Time, but, uh, Prismo from Adventure Time Mm -hmm. is a wish grantor. And he says, yeah, you know, it's kind of a monkey's paw thing. Be very careful how you word it. Right. Exactly. And.
0: Pretty, it is that kind of, you know, it's not like the trick of the wording. It is, you know, there's a, an alignment of desire that happens.
1: Yes. The, the, the way, I mean, I want to get pregnant or I want to have a baby. I can't remember exactly what it was she wished for, but it was very... I want was, a baby. It was specific, mm-hmm. but it left a lot of room for um, shit to happen, mm-hmm. so um, you know. It, but who thinks that I want to? I want to have a baby, and I don't want it to be conceived by my dead husband. And I certainly don't want it to like be evil. <laughs> and,
0: right, you know. right. You know, it's not one of those things. It's one of those. It's one of those requests that's made out of passion, and rather than out of. You know, sense, right? And okay. and most of these types of deals are done out of out of passion rather than sense. It's
1: it's very Faustian bargain. Yeah. And, well, was, and also, if these wishes were, were granted, you know, um, to the I guess to the intent of the wisher, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't would make for interesting stories. This is true.
0: This is true. Be a rather boring story if uh, the wishes were phrased in such a way where you know the protagonist got exactly what they want. Right.
1: Well, think of the monkey's paw. The monkey's oh, paw. Was like, it was just like, you know, I mean, that's yeah. like the original story about that. Mm-hmm. And you know, if that's if that was like, okay, I want what was it? The first thing we want. Um, Money and it came from the life insurance settlement from her right. son dying in the
0: factory, something like that. Yeah, we might have to do a st- an episode on the monkey's ball.
1: <laughs> and then you know the second one was I wish my son were alive, again. right? <laughs> so yeah, okay, zombie son. <laughs> right, right, and
0: and yeah, but where the horror comes in in this story is is the alignment of desires. And I thought that was a neat little twist. Yeah. In the end and we can't spoil it for you because you really need to go out and get this book.
1: Well, like when the wishy becomes the tool of the wisher. Or, mm-hmm. or the wish grantor.
0: Right. You know? The wish grantor is becomes a the the person who wants to wish becomes like
1: a pawn of, of right. the person granting the wish. Right. It's kinda like the, the genie who mm-hmm. tricks you into wishing it free right
0: and then it puts you in the bottle
1: right exactly
0: yeah so this is the final episode and we'll say it we've said it at the end of every episode you need to go out and buy this book
1: yeah you really do and and even i mean just for the sheer fact a that all the stories are great b we didn't even cover poetry There are 14 poems in this book. Yeah, so you got to go out and read these poems, because we didn't, Mm -hmm. but not for you. Right. So, I mean, you're missing a bunch of the book just by listening to this. You might be listening and going, oh, well, why bother? Because, like, these guys did everything. We didn't.
0: We didn't cover everything. We didn't cover the ends of any of these stories. Yes. So, there's plenty there. Uh, there's a little something for every taste in this book. Uh, we read it cover to cover, yeah. But really, you don't have to do it that way. No, it's an anthology. You can, it's an anthology, and it's and even though the first story and the last story are bookends uh, for for a complete, you know, front of the book to back of the book journey, you can open up the book. Just take the book, open it up to any story, and yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a good
1: time. So yeah, so our hats are off to uh, Kenitra Brooks uh, PhD, Linda D. Addison, and Susanna Morris PhD uh, for putting together such a great book.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and can't wait for a follow up. Yeah. You know, we review a lot of anthologies occasionally we come across one that deserves a sequel this is one that deserves a second in the series there needs to be a Sycorax's Daughters 2
1: right. being Sycoraxing
0: right check it out next week we'll be talking Panther's Rage until then keep 30 luck points chat bell about-